There is a gift within the gift of Jesus. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. And you know, oftentimes, you know, when you go to a birthday party or a special occasion, sometimes they have a gift at the very bottom, and there's all sorts of boxes you've got to open up to get to the gift. All right? Well, we know that Jesus is the gift. But there are gifts within the gift. And one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is the gift of right standing with Him. You know, in Romans chapter uh, 5 and 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. They're going to reign in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. So this gift of righteousness is, a ma- is made available to all who will receive. One of the greatest gifts that we can ever receive is our identification, who we are, what we have, and where we are in Christ Jesus. I am not, you are not the man, you are not the woman you used to be. You're a new man. You're a new creation. You've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Glory to God. And so we don't ever want to allow anyone to label us what God has not labeled us. If we hear anything about our lives contrary to what the Word of God says, we need to reject that and not accept that. Well, if we're not going to accept it, then we need to receive the free gift of righteousness, walk in our identification in Christ Jesus. Thank God. Say it with me, I am... The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. One of the other beautiful gifts that God gives us is the absolute gift of favor. You think about what the angel said to Mary. He said, Mary, thou art what? You are highly favored. Amen. Well, highly favored does not just belong to the mother of Jesus. Being highly favored belongs to every follower of Jesus Christ. Being highly favored belongs to every born-again believer. If you're born of God, God does not look look at you with a scowl on His face. He looks at you as His son. He looks at you as His daughter. He looks at you through eyes of love. And He has given you favor for the entirety of your whole life. Glory to God. In the book of Psalms, in verse 5, it says this in verse 12. For thou, O Lord, praise God, will bless the righteous. We've already discovered that we're righteous. But what does he bless the righteous with? He blesses the righteous with the gift of favor. And he says, and thou shalt compass him or her as with a shield. So behold, brothers and sisters, there's a shield of favor surrounding your very life. When the favor of God goes before you, it opens doors that no man can shut. It changes rules, policies, regulations. It will cause you to get land, praise God, that you didn't have anything to do with. You won't have to get it by your own strength, but you'll get it by the favor of God. Amen. This favor is for a lifetime. 
It's for your whole life. From the time you're born again till the time you breathe your last breath, you have the very favor of God. And so it's very important for us then to expect the favor of God and to look for it every day of our lives. If we will make continuous declarations of His favor on our lives, we will experience continual manifestations of His favor. And when God does something for you, you ought to recognize it and give Him the glory for it. And say, you know what? That was the favor of God. Because I am a favorite of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Did you know that I'm His favorite? That's right. That's the right answer. All of us are His favorite. He favors us. He loves us. His hand is upon us. He's anointed us. He has appointed us for divine purpose. Not just to while our time away. Not just to shuffle through life. No, but to stand strong in the power of God. And to stand strong in the favor of God. And letting God be God in our lives. Hallelujah. These are gifts within the gift. Hallelujah. I have favor. You have favor. You are highly favored. Now, one of the other greatest gifts that God has given us is the ability to communicate supernaturally with Him. And we can do so through prayer. We can do so through communing with him. How many of you remember the prophet Elijah? Elijah was dealing with a king by the name of Ahab. And he was dealing with one of the, the several of the prophets of Baal. You know, the children of Israel were worshiping Baal. And the Lord told Elijah to go tell the king Ahab that there's not going to be any rain for three years. Now, Elijah was an Old Testament prophet, but Elijah was a man who persevered in prayer. Elijah was a man who communed with God. He heard from God before he moved. And that is such a precious gift that God has given each and every one of us. The gift of being able to be still and to know that he is God. The gift of communing with the Holy Spirit and picking up on His cues and picking up on His directions for our lives. So He said there's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any dew until I say it's going to be. How many of you know that the word Baal, the prophets of Baal, the Baalites, or whether they're called, they were known as the lords of the earth. Also, they were called lord of rain and dew. And so when Elijah said, no more rain and no more dew, he was challenging them. And they got pretty upset. And I like how Brenda says that they had a showdown at the OK Corral. And basically, Elijah stood up and he said, Look, whoever's God is God, that's who we're going to worship. And he put them to the test. How many of you know that God won out? God showed up, God showed out, and answered by fire. 
And the king even got to a point where he said, God is God. And of course, Elijah did something with all the prophets of Baal. (laughs) Oh, my, my, my. And so the people of Israel, they were worshiping God because the drought was over. And then Elijah went back to the king and he said this, Tell the king to prepare for rain. In 1 Kings 18, 1, or 18 and uh, 1, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now notice in chapter 18, verse 41 and 42. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. That's what we're hearing. That's what we're sensing. We're hearing, we're sensing the sound of the abundance of rain. Woo, glory to God. And Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. This is a picture of perseverance in prayer. And then he said in verse 43, he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, Behold, there's arising a little cloud of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare the chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. Woo, glory to God. It's very interesting that there are some things in God that do not immediately come to pass. Have you experienced that? But I just somehow sense in my spirit, hearing the abundance of the sound of rain, I sense in my spirit this phrase, it shall come to pass. Everything that the prophets have said, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass at last. I want to read you something very good out of Patsy Caminetti's book called For Such a Time as This. Do you sense in your spirit that we're in a time for such a time? She said this, Personally, I'm glad it didn't say he prayed and it rained, because as a prayer, this account really helps me. He prayed and seemingly nothing happened. And she said, You can derive encouragement from this. I do. And then she went on to say this. This is so good. Any promise of God needs someone to hold on to it. That's part of what this prayer school is all about. And then she went on to say, Prayer without a promise has no grounding, and there will be no fruit to your prayer. On the other hand, a promise without prayer has no purpose at all. Promises are activated by believing prayer. I like that. Promises have been put in the word for the purpose of us holding fast to them. And prayer is one of the primary ways in which we do this. Promises, she said, are prayer tools 
You must never let go of them. If God promised it, it will surely come to pass. Say it with me. It shall come to pass. All that the Lord has said in his word. All the prophecies concerning the coming of the Lord. All of them shall come to pass. So it's a, it's a gift to be able to pray. It's a privilege to pray. Prayer is not something that should be drudgery. Prayer is something that should be looked forward to in our individual life, but also corporately as a church. Don't you just love the corporate anointing when we pray? Oh, hallelujah. It is so powerful. Now look at James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. James uses the account of Elijah's prayer for rain to classically illustrate to us the kind of prayer which precedes and prepares the way for the coming of the Lord. In James 5, 7 and 8, he said, Therefore be patient under the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives what? The early and latter rain. He says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. This early and latter rain. It occurred in November after the autumn harvest to prepare the land for future planting. And then the latter rain, of course, came in the spring prior to the harvest to mature the crop. Likewise, the Spirit of God falls on the field of human souls and causes these souls to be ready for harvest. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is extremely ripe. People are more open to Jesus now than they've ever been. And so he's waiting patiently for the early and the latter rain. And Elijah is so key and so primary in this. Look at verse 17 and 18. It says, Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. And he prayed, how did he pray? He prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again. And the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops as usual. Hallelujah. This man of God, as a result of walking close with God, he literally controlled the rain with his faith and with his prayer. Under the commandment of God. Did not his prayer affect the weather? Did not his prayer affect the crops? It changed politics. Prayer will do the same thing for us today. Hallelujah. What is it that brings the rain? Prayer brings the rain. Now, it didn't look like there was a storm at first, did it? But faith contends and faith perseveres and faith keeps holding on to God and praying till they see the answer come. Now let's ask ourselves tonight, 
Who is the rain? I'm glad you asked. Hosea 6.3 in the Amplified says this, Yes, let us know, recognize, and be acquainted with and understand Him. Let us be zealous to know the Lord, to appreciate, to give heed to, and cherish Him. His going forth is prepared and certain as the dawn, and He will come to us as the heavy rain, as the latter rain that waters the earth. Woohoo! Glory to God. And so I'm summarizing some of these things for, t- for time's sake before we pray. But let's ask ourselves, what is the latter rain? The latter rain is God himself pouring out himself. And that's how he's coming to the United States of America. Hallelujah. How then does he come as rain? He reigns himself. He pours out himself in salvation, in deliverance, in signs and wonders, and in victory. How is it that you and I can experience a continual downpour of God's glory? How is it that you and I can participate in these last days in the greatest outpouring that this world has ever seen? Zechariah 10, verse 1. Let's read it together. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain, and the Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Do you like that? Among other things that the rain brings, it also brings refreshing. It brings blessing. Did not you experience refreshing tonight? Are we not experiencing the blessing of heaven, the very presence of God? You know, in time past, we've all heard preaching like, well, you know, it's going to get darker and darker and it's going to cover the earth in those last days. But I think people forget about the rest of the prophecy. You know, where sin abounds, and it's abounding, grace does much more abound. Where crime abounds, we're believing that justice will much more abound. Where COVID abounds, we believe, praise God, the healing power of God will much more abound. But now notice this in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. I've chosen to live on the happy side of life. In Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, let's read it together. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is what? Risen upon you. Verse 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But... Let's read that last sentence again. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory. Dear friends, you just live in the presence of God. And people will see Jesus on you, all over you. They'll see Jesus. His glory. 
shall be risen upon you. Notice verse 3. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. What is this saying? As we arise and as we shine, people that don't know Jesus are going to come to the light. They're going to come to Jesus who is the light of the world. Hallelujah. How I many of you know in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached quite a message on the day of Pentecost. I mean, after they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they hit the streets. And you know, they were pretty drunk. And they thought that these guys were drinking wine early in the morning. Peter just stood up and said, these are not drunken as you suppose. But this is that, which is spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. Sometimes I wonder if people don't think we're a little drunk around here at 10 a.m. What's going on? Why all this joy? What's happening? Did they just leave the club? No, we didn't just leave the club. We just left our homes cultivating the very presence of God. Amen. Amen. So they thought they were drunk. They were out there praising God. And then Peter, Peter, he preached a masterpiece. And on that day, many, many people came to the Lord. And then Peter's message kind of slipped over into the end times where you and I are living in right now. And here's a message that applies to us straight from Acts chapter 3, verse 19, where he says, Repent ye therefore and be what? You know what happens when you repent? God will change you. But in order for us to be converted and to be changed and transformed, we have to leave what we need to repent of. Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Read the rest with me. When the times of refreshing... Where do these times of refreshing come from? They come from the presence of the Lord. The Amplified says that a reviving with fresh air, a recovery from heat, will come from the presence of the Lord. These days in which we live are times of refreshing. But we have to choose to be refreshed. Because there are some refreshing robbers out there. And I don't care what tag name you put on it. You could call Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever the case may be. There are some things that will rob you of the refreshing. And we must choose to live over in the land of his presence and cultivate that and absolutely shut the door on any bad news that would try to infiltrate into our souls, thus quenching the Holy Spirit and thus quenching the times of refreshing. These things are so vital. And they're so important. He says that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Let's read on verse 20 and 21. And it said, And he shall send Jesus Christ, 
which before was preached unto you. Now read verse 21 with me. Verse 21 says, Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Everyone say times of restitution. Now the New King James Version says times of restoration. Here's what I want you to see. That Peter connected the times of refreshing, we oftentimes call them revivals, with the second coming of Christ. Before Jesus returns, we're going to be so filled and so refreshed and so anointed that we're not even moved by what's going on in the world because we are about our Father's business. So there's two things to notice in this day in which we live. Times of refreshing and times of restoration. And some people would ask, well, what are times of restoration? What does that mean? When I say times of restoration, I'm talking about times of the restoration of the authority of the believer. Times of restoration of the character of Christ. God wants us to be his sons and his daughters and to become just like him. Now, it's very interesting to me that the rain fell and Ahab went and reported it to his wife. Do you know what Ahab's wife's name was? Jezebel. And after that the rain fell... Elijah outran the king's chariots. You suppose the unction was on him? I mean, the anointing was on him. He outran Ahab to Jezreel. Man, I've seen some people running hard and heavy on treadmills before, but not like that. I mean, he was just, that's the unction on him. Now, right after this great victory came the news that Jezebel was going to be chasing after him. And Elijah, instead of keeping his eyes on God and looking back at what God just did, he was moved by the news he heard. We could say it this way. He was moved by bad news. And he did not have to be moved by bad news. He just outran the king's chariots. And like someone said to me this morning, Elijah was no spring chicken. You know, that's hope for some of us that are over 70. Glory to God. What we're doing is we're going to run with a vision. All the while, keeping our eyes on the one who brought us this far. All the while staying focused on the author and the finisher of our faith. Mm -hmm. Listen, folks, he who began a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But what he needs is he needs my cooperation. 
And he needs your cooperation. We need to rejoice in the past victories, but we do not want to rest on our laurels. This is not a time for us to slow down. This is not a time for us to look back and say, Oh, God did this and God did that. Yes, He did. And He still will do more. But we've got to maintain perseverance. We've got to maintain focus. And we've got to shut down the news of the Jezebels of this life. Jezebel represents something like bad news. And what Elijah did, instead of staying focused, he backed off. And he backed down. And he ended up in a cave of depression. And this is what happens. If we're not careful, I'll include myself in this. If we are not careful, if we flirt with the world... And listen to the world's ways and the world's thoughts and the world's ideas of what we should do and how we should live our lives. If we do that, we can end up in a cave of depression. Feeling sorry for ourselves. And he went to the Lord and he said, I've been jealous for the Lord and there's, there's no one left. There's no one left but me. And this happened a couple times. And the Lord said, hey, Elijah, you need to get up. You need to get out. You need to go anoint this person, anoint that person. I've got, I don't know how many thousand, was it 7,000, he said, that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Hallelujah. And unfortunately, in the church today, we've got a lot of people in their caves. They're shut down. They're afraid to go about their lives. We need to use wisdom in the day and hour in which we live, but we cannot afford. We've got to keep moving forward. We've got to keep moving forward because there's so much more that needs to be done. These are gifts within the gift. The gift of eternal life. The gift of righteousness. Come on. The gift of divine favor. And the gift to pray powerful prayers that will pave the way for the impossible to become possible. Let's stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. That's just a little, a little bit of word tonight. Did you get anything out of it? Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands then. Let's raise our hands. Let's thank God for the rain. Oh, Father, we're asking for the rain. Lord, send the rain. Send the rain in the time of the latter rain. Oh, these are days of restoration. These are days of restitution. These are days when the gifts... And the power gifts shall be in manifestation in greater ways and in greater degrees. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We've seen some really, really good things in the last 40 years. But really, we haven't seen anything yet. God is able to win a nation in a day. 
Somebody says, well, how does he do that? I don't know how, but I know he's God. Amen. So what do you say? Let's fasten our seatbelts. And let's walk with God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord.